Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. My name is Nick Jonkowski. I'm the associate pastor here at Mosaic Church. For those who are new or maybe been gone for a while and forgot what this bald-headed face looks like. Yes, well, thank you. Thank you. You are kind. Uh, We are smack dab in the middle of a series right now that we've entitled 10 Words. And each week that we've gathered together, we have been exploring one of the 10 commandments found in the book of Exodus. And more specifically, we've been exploring the relevance of those commands for our lives today beyond just a simple Bible story or perhaps even a Charlton Heston movie. Now, for those of you who are of a certain age in this room and have no idea what that reference is alluding to, find somebody who's over the age of 40 after service and ask them and they will help you out. And today we're actually going to continue our journey into the Ten Commandments by exploring the Fifth Commandment, which states, honor your mother and father, which should be a fun one. However, before we dive into God's word this morning, let's begin our time together with a word of prayer. Please bow your heads and join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Jesus, again, uh, with a week's worth of burdens, of joys, of cares and concerns that have piled up upon our shoulders, Lord, and we desperately need in those moments to hear from you. So Lord, we come before you this morning, we lay down all the things that may be burdening us from this week, all the different trials and, and, and circumstances of life, and we lay those before you to say, Jesus, will you come and speak to our hearts today? May we leave here different because we've encountered you through your word. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I figured since we are on the subject this morning of parenting, I thought it would be appropriate to begin by recalling some of the most famous and often quoted parentisms. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with parentisms, they are those universal phrases that mom and dads tend to use with their kids and have done so since time immemorial. They're those kitschy sayings that cause kids' eyes to roll into the back of their heads and parents also to kind of recoil in horror because they realize that they've just said something that they promised themselves at their kids' age that they would never themselves say. And so, for example, who among us here has not heard or perhaps even said, I won't ask you to raise your hand if you said it, just wait until your father gets home, right? I hear some people repeating that with me, so you know that phrase. Or, this is what I heard a lot, if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you? And of course, there's also the one that says, because I said so, That's why, right? And I remember growing up uh, in the Jonkowski household, one of the most famous parentisms that I heard over and over again, in fact, I can still close my eyes and hear my mother saying this, is that we'll cross that bridge when we get there, which was essentially code for my mom telling me to shut up and we'll talk about it later, right? And if you grew up in a religious home, Parentisms take on a whole different tenor and flavor all into themselves. 
meaning that parents typically take some kind of spiritual truth and use that as a means to try and achieve a desired behavior within their kids. For example, perhaps if you grew up in a religious home, maybe you heard the parentism, cleanliness is next to godliness. Nobody knows what that means, and it's not even the Bible, but it's something that Christian parents will say to their kids often. Or the other one, Jesus is watching you even when I'm not, right? And so suddenly Jesus takes on the role of Santa Claus, which is kind of creepy in and of itself, but that's for another discussion. Or there's the granddaddy of them all, the one where parents tell their kids, the Bible says to honor your parents so that it might go well with you, or some variation of that. And the fact is, is that as we get older, if we're not busy repeating those same spiritual parentisms to our own kids, for the most part, we can probably laugh about a lot of those parentisms, all except for the last one, the command to honor your parents so that it might go well for you. And the reason for that is, is because of all the kind of cringy different Christian parentisms that we tend to throw out, That is the only one that is found expressly in God's word. It's the only one that is stated explicitly in God's word. And it's not just said once. It's said multiple times as we turn through the pages of the Bible. God said it first, not your mom and dad. No matter how wise they claim they are, God actually said that first. And the fact that that my parents could open their Bibles and point to this as validation for making that parentism to me caused me a considerable amount of consternation as a teenager and even as an adult. Because the reality is, is that there have been times in my life, because I am a broken and flawed individual, that I have caused or brought dishonor to my parents. I know, shocking, but you didn't know Teenage Nick. Teenage Nick did a lot of dishonoring things to his parents. And the other fact of the matter is, is that my parents too, who are also flawed and broken people, have done things that at times I felt were not worthy of giving honor to. And so this biblical mandate tends to create this tension in my life. One where I feel pulled over here to obey God's word, And the other one where there's the reality of the messiness that exists with parental relationships. And the truth is, if I'm honest with you guys this morning, there are times when I have not honored well my parents. I haven't. And I just wonder, can anyone else here relate this morning? Right? Of course, you can raise your hand. It's okay. It's all right. We all can. We can all relate to that. Whether you are an angsty teenager in the room or an aging adult, we've all understand that reality. Because the truth is, is that the relationship, the child-parent relationship, is one of the most difficult relationships to navigate on earth, let alone to bestow honor regularly in that relationship. And that's true of every child and parent relationship, even those relationships that might be healthy. For example, I can say with all honesty that I am fortunate enough to have amazing parents. Mom and dad, if you're watching, you're welcome. (laughs) I have amazing parents. I have amazing parents. And I can say with uh, absolute sincerity that we have an amazing relationship as an adult. I love my mom and dad with all my heart. 
However, that does not mean that honoring them necessarily always comes easy or naturally to me in life. Primarily because it cuts so deeply against my, the grain of my spiritual selfishness and my sin and my desire to see myself honored as opposed to honoring somebody else, even when it comes to my mom and dad. And more difficult still this morning, church, is the task of honoring your parents when the relationship is broken or when we've suffered harm at their hands. Whether that's because of abuse, whether it's because of neglect, favoritism, anger, addiction, or even the overstepping of boundaries, whatever the reason, in those heartbreaking circumstances, the biblical mandate to honor our parents can be a huge stumbling block for those people in that position. It can almost feel like a turning, our gut turns upside down when we hear somebody say, honor your mom and dad because of what our mom and dads have done with us or to us either because we simply refuse to honor somebody who has wounded us so deeply, or because we tend to deem God as being some type of cruel deity who would command us to honor actions of people that have wounded us in the past. And so we end up in this place of tension with this commandment. And so the question that I want to invite us to wrestle with this morning is what, as followers of Jesus, what does it mean to fulfill the biblical mandate to honor our parents in 2023? What does it mean? In other words, is this ancient spiritual parentism still something that is relevant for us today? And in order to answer that question, we're actually going to need to jump back into our reading of the Old, uh, Old Testament and the Ten Commandments. And we're going to need to explore this idea that God has undoubtedly said to us, you must honor your mother and your father. But as we take a deeper dive and a more insightful look into that passage, I think it will reveal some insights that might be surprising for us today. And so if you have your Bibles with you or your Bible apps, I want to encourage you to open those books to Exodus chapter 20. It's the second book in the Bible. And of course, if you don't have your Bible here this morning, that's totally okay. We're going to have the words of the scripture on the screen behind me. And let's explore together what God had to say about this very important issue. And as you turn there in your Bible, let me give you some backdrop and some background information on this passage, because there's some important things that we need to understand in order to be able to wrap our minds around what God is talking about here. Because prior to Moses descending down Mount Sinai with the stone tablets in hand, which contain the Ten Commandments, the Israelite nation had languished in Egypt under the heavy bondage of slavery in Egypt for 400 years. 400 years, let that sink in for a little while. We think like 10 years is a long time. They were in slavery for 400 years. And that means that multiple generations of Israelites, the only reality they knew was that of enslavement. That was the only thing they knew. It wasn't like us a couple weeks ago where we were out having fireworks or, or celebrating our independence or eating bratwurst, but the Israelites wouldn't have ate bratwurst because that was not kosher, but even if they had been free people, they wouldn't have been able to do that. They knew nothing but enslavement. 
And so this idea that we hear and see in this passage is that it's a foreign notion, it's a foreign concept to them, this idea that God would actually have to give them self-autonomy as individuals and as a nation. They didn't know what that meant. And so as they stood at the, mount, uh, the foot of Mount Sinai, this idea of actually stepping into the promised land as a free people was a foreign or a novel concept to them. And that helps us to understand why God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments in the first place. Because the Ten Commandments were a special agreement that God was making between his people at that moment. And the law that Moses was delivering them was the terms to that agreement. It was the terms for how that relationship was supposed to work. And so God is giving the Israelites through the Ten Commandments a communal story a identity, a value. He's giving that to a group of people who had never possessed that before prior to entering the wilderness. They never knew what it was like to have a communal identity, to have their own story, to have their own values. And in doing so, God is giving this fledgling nation rules and insight, a guidebook as to how they might thrive as a people group amongst the other nations of the world. And as we've seen over the past few weeks, the first 10 commandments, the first four commandments of the 10 of this special agreement that God has made with Israelite people focused on the relationship with God. It's a vertical relationship. God's up here, Israel's down here. It's the vertical agreements for the relationship with God. And as he steps into the fifth commandment, God shifts his attention and begins to deal with the relationship with other people, the horizontal relationship, that they must first love God and then love others. And the very first relationship that God addresses begins in the home. It begins in the home. And so we'll see this beginning in Exodus 20, verse 12. It says this, Honor your father and mother that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Seems like a pretty open and shut case, right? God said, honor your parents, boom, end of discussion. However, if I were to perhaps steal a quote from the famous college football announcer, Lee Corso, I might say, not so fast, my friend, right? Because there's more going on in this text than might originally meet the eye. And first, we need to start by understanding this word honor. Because the word honor for a vast majority of us here in 2023 is something that's foreign to much of our dialect. I don't know about you, But I can't remember the last time that I said to my mom and dad, dearest mother and father, how might I honor thee? (laughs) The answer is never. I've never said that to my mom and dad, and I'm pretty sure that you haven't either. So clearly, there is further definition that is required. And so let's look at this word honor, because honor in the original Hebrew language meant to show respect, to count as valuable, to esteem, or to revere. And so what it might be better to do at this point is to tell you what biblical honor is not. Because it's interesting that as you go through and do a study on honor in the Old Testament, honor is not contingent upon love. Honor is not contingent upon love. In other words, love wasn't a requirement for the Israelite people to show honor. You could show honor to somebody without actually loving them. Though, of course, love is a more easier thoroughfare for honor to flow. 
Additionally, honor is not the need to obey or even to agree with everything that is being said. It doesn't mean that we necessarily have to agree to honor somebody or that we even necessarily have to obey to honor somebody, especially if that person is asking us to do something that is contrary to the clear teaching of Scripture. And so the underlying thought behind the fifth commandment was that the Israelite children, regardless of age, whether they were a young child or an adult child, were to honor their parents through the showing of respect and reverence. And this can be hugely helpful for us today, hugely helpful for those of us who might be wrestling with the biblical mandate to honor our parents, especially in situations where our mom and dads have done things that have caused us pain, particularly because the call to have a sense of respect for our parents is not built upon the foundation of their actions, whether those actions were bad or good. Rather, honor was to be given on the merit of their rank. And so we can best understand honor this way, that honor is understood as merit versus rank. What do I mean when I say that? I mean this, and it is warm in here, I'm sorry. Um, Honor versus rank means this. It means that honor given in biblical ancient Israel society was not contingent upon the actions of the individual. In other words, their achievements or what they've done. Instead, it was given on the basis of position or rank. It's similar to like an army recruit who walks into their first assignment and shows respect or honor to their commanding officer on the basis of their hierarchy within their position of the commanding authority. And that's what God is calling the Israelites to through honoring their parents, that they might honor them not so much because of what they had done necessarily, but instead of because of who they were within God's established hierarchy within the home. It was honor based on rank, not on merit. In biblical honor, rank supersedes merit. It supersedes merit. And so as we begin to process this, it can begin to free us to dismantle this idea that we serve a God who has somehow cruelly linked us or called us or intended for us to pay homage to the actions of parents who have caused us pain. Because God is not calling us to honor the actions of our parents, but instead calling us to honor their positions as our parents alone. And that means in cases of bad parenting, honoring our parents does not mean, church, that we turn a blind eye to things that have been done to us. Nor does it mean that when we honor our parents, that we don't acknowledge the hurt that they've caused us, or that we don't seek to set out healthy boundaries with our parents. It means that we can hold in tender balance this idea that I can show honor to my parents on the basis of their position and rank as their parents in my life, and also at the same time acknowledge the hurt and the harm that they may have caused me. We can hold in balance and intention those two different things at the same time with this idea of biblical honor. But that's not just where it stops either. It's not just for the kids. There's also language here and words here for parents as well. Because this fifth commandment actually serves as a double-edged sword of such that, that is for both the children as well as the parents too. Because not only, yes, does the fifth commandment command us as kids to honor our parents, but that does not mean 
that parents are completely devoid of responsibility either. The fifth commandment, church, is not a get-out-of-jail-free card for parents. It does not mean that you can command the respect of your children while at the same time doing whatever you feel or say and want to do in that moment. And it's actually quite the opposite. And you say, well, Nick, I'm looking at this fifth commandment. I see nothing in there that, that talks about parents. That's because it's implied. Because as you look through the pages of Scripture, this is what is true. That any time you encounter a situation where there is constituted authority... What do I mean when I say constituted authority? I mean authority that God has given specifically to an individual or a group of individuals. That person or group is always, always held to a higher standard and a higher responsibility before the Lord. Whether that authority is given to a political leader, whether that authority is given to a religious leader such as myself, I stand and accountable to God for how I lead this church, how I interact and lead you. And especially and even the authority that is given to parents. Because the truth is that as mom and dad, God has divinely entrusted you with the authority to care for and raise up a child in the faith. And conversely, we need to make no mistake that we will stand before God and be held accountable for how we choose to use that authority. We will be held accountable for how we choose to use that authority as parents, how we wield that with our kids. In fact, so serious, church, is this authority that has been given to parents that Jesus himself said this, of anyone who would cause harm to a child, he said that it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around your neck, and to be drowned into the depths of the sea. Now, we don't see millstones very often these days, but if you go online and do a Google search for a millstone, it's basically this big round stone block that's got a hole in the center of it, and there's a stick that goes through the center, and you use that millstone, you push it around a circle to grind out the mill or the grain. It's super big and so heavy, and Jesus says that if you intentionally harm a child... It would be better for you to take that millstone, tie it around your neck, and jump into the ocean. And that's not to say, church, that parents don't make mistakes. And this isn't a salvation issue. We do make mistakes. We do occasionally do things that cause our children pain or harm unintentionally. But what Jesus is talking about in this moment is a parent who wields the authority that God has given them and uses that in a means to pervert, abuse, or betray a child that God has entrusted them with. And to that person, and to every parent, we should walk in holy fear and trembling before the Lord with the authority that God has given us. You say, well, Pastor Nick, I thought I was coming here to hear a sermon about how my kids were supposed to obey me. <laughs> Not so much. And now that we've got a better grasp on the meaning of biblical honor... We need to shift our attention now to the second half of the fifth commandment, specifically the promise that is contained therein. So let's go back again to the second half of the verse, which reads as this. It says, honor your father and mother, and this is the promise, so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And this second half promise of the fifth commandment is one of those verses that is often misunderstood, especially by parents and by children. 
primarily because we understand that verse to be some kind of supernatural reward or blessing that is bestowed upon a child who shows honor to their parents. In other words, if I do A, then God is going to do B. When I honor my parents, God is going to bless me with long life. The problem with that assumption is this, is that Exodus 20.12 is less a supernatural reward and more of a practical reason. Why? Because remember, if we go back to our discussion from this morning at Mount Sinai, as God is giving the Israelite people through Moses the Ten Commandments, he's establishing for them the blueprints of what it means to have a healthy and thriving society. He's saying this is what will be, this is what needs to be done in order to be healthy and thriving as a nation. This is what you need to do in order to show my glory and authority to the other nations of the world. And specifically as it relates to the fifth commandment, God is saying that a society in which children honor their parents is a society that will likely long live. Or conversely, in a society where children don't honor their parents or where the nucleus of the family is being dissolved, that society is much more likely to be doomed and headed towards self-destruction. Hello, America 2023. Essentially, it's kind of like saying this. You should wear a bike helmet when you ride a bike, or in my case, if you climb a ladder, so that if you fall, you won't harm your head, right? And it's not that when I go out and ride a bike and I put on that helmet, that magically, any time I get into an accident, whether I fall off my bike or I hit something, that magically my head is going to be protected every time because I have that helmet on. Instead... As a general rule, that helmet is going to help protect me and give me long life should I get into an accident. And that is what is being said here in the fifth commandment. It's a, it's a prescribed rule of God as a general practicum for healthy living and a thriving society. And this is where it applies for us today as parents. This is where the rubber starts to meet the road because as parents, we need to stop reciting Exodus 20:12 as some form of magical spell that our kids can conjure the favor of God by their actions that they can do something to merit the favor of God by their actions because not only is that totally contrary to what the text is actually teaching but it's 100% antithetical to the gospel message it's totally contrary to the gospel message because think about it. The core tenet of the gospel, the core tenet of the gospel which we proclaim here Sunday after Sunday is that as human beings, we have no ability by our own strength or by our own merit or by our own ability to conjure or to receive or earn the favor of God because of the sin that it stains our lives. We have no ability to do it on our own strength. And that it is only through professed faith in Jesus Christ, through his perfect death, perfect life and sacrificial death, that we might receive right standing before God. That we might receive salvation through faith in Christ. Nothing through which I can do. There's nothing I can do to earn the favor of God. It's only through Christ and Christ alone. It's as Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified... 
And that idea of justified is a legal term. It means to be put in right standing, to be declared righteous or, um, or innocent before God. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have, a, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That church is the reality of the gospel message. Not this pseudo-prosperity gospel that whether intentionally or unintentionally, we extol to our children as a means to try and control or dictate their behavior. That's not what the gospel is. We wouldn't tell that to anybody else. Hey, you have to do this to earn your favor or merit with God. So why do we tell our kids that? Why do we tell our kids that? And the result of that is, is that when we use verses like Exodus 20, 12, as a means to procure blessing from God, we are at the same time teaching our kids to view God as either this authoritarian figure who sits up in heaven with a stick ready to hit you as soon as you mess up, or as Jason says, smite, 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 <laughs> or that he is a divine genie just waiting to grant our wishes. In other words, when we teach that somehow I can do something to earn or merit the favor of God, we're teaching our kids that he is just some kind of supernatural vending machine that doles out punishment or blessings on the basis of how we act. And not only is that completely contrary to what scripture and the gospel teaches, but it also can do damage to a child's faith as they grow in their relationship with God. And that is as a youth pastor, a former youth pastor who's talked with kids, that is something at times my own wife and I have had to work through in our own discussions. When we present the gospel where God is either a stick or a carrot, we have the ability to do damage to our kids' faith or anybody else's faith that we read the gospel that way. And so my encouragement for you this morning, parents, is this. My encouragement for you this morning is this, is that when we see verses like Exodus 20, 12, or other verses like it, that we use those verses, we prayerfully ask the Holy Spirit for teachable moments where we can show our kids or tell our kids about a God who loves his people so dearly that he gave them his perfect playbook, the Bible, as guidelines for a means to live a fulfilled and purposeful life. And when we do that, when we present the gospel and the Bible from that perspective, we help to steer a child's heart toward the centrality of Christ in life, toward the hope of the gospel, and to a more achievable standard of honoring our parents along the way. And so we can see from Exodus 20:12 that the fifth commandment has some real-world application for us, has some real-world meaning for us today. Because as we look at Exodus 20:12 and throughout the entirety of the Bible, there's no doubt that God has mandated that kids of all ages, from children all the way up to adults, honor their mom and dads. There's no doubt. Neither, as we look at scripture, is there any exception or caveat that would nullify God's command. Because that honor is to be given not on the basis of merit, but on the basis of rank. We also see from Exodus 20.12 that parents have a heavy responsibility for the authority that God has given them in their kids' lives. And that if we leverage verses like Exodus 20.12, we can help to foster our child's faith and trust in Jesus. However, while Exodus 20.12 answers so many of the initial questions that we might have set out with at the beginning of this message, 
there is one question in particular, perhaps the most important question, that it does not answer. In fact, on its face, it seems to completely avoid this answer. That question being, how in the heck do we actually do this? How do we actually go about the business of honoring our parents? As we've already seen, the commandment itself is contained within just a single sentence. And in that sentence, there are no specific directives or examples of what it looks like to honor our mom and our dad. And a lot of that, as we go through scripture, we can understand that the lack of clear instruction in Exodus 20.12 is the result that the Israelites in their culture had a clear understanding of what it meant to honor one another and that there was no further explanation required and that was implied in the text. It would be as if today if I were to say to you, hey, check out my post on Insta and give it a like. For a vast majority of you, and I'm going to step lightly here, a vast majority of you, you wouldn't need me to follow up that statement with step-by-step instructions on what I meant when I said that. Because in our cultural context, you would understand what that meant. And the same is true of the original Israelites who received this command from God. They understood what honor looked like within their culture. Thankfully, though, God's word is not silent on the issue elsewhere of honoring our parents. In fact, in Ephesians 6, 2 through 3, the Apostle Paul, writing the church in Ephesus, says this, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on earth. Now, as we encounter this word, these words from the Apostle Paul, it may just seem like all Paul is doing is repeating the fifth commandment, which is no help to us again. We're back to where we started. And that is exactly what Paul is doing here, except he's taking it from a national command by God to the Israelites to an individual command to the believers of Ephesus. However, if we were to jump backwards in the text a few verses to explore the entire context of this chapter, which is important. Anytime you're reading the Bible, we can never just take a verse, a single verse, and say, this is what it means. We have to look at it within the context of the passage, within the chapter in the book, and then the entire Bible. And so if we step backwards and look at the context of what the Apostle Paul is writing here, we find explicit directive to perform that which God is asking us to do. Specifically, in Ephesians 5.18, he writes this. He says, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. Say, well, that seems as clear as mud. How does that help me honor my parents? After exhorting his readers to be filled with the Spirit, the Apostle Paul then goes on from there to describe what Holy Spirit-empowered relationships look like within the context of a family. For a husband and a wife, and then for children obeying their parents. In other words, the idea of honor and giving honor to our parents, along with other faith exercises such as loving our enemies or sacrificially giving of ourselves to others, is not something that is specifically a human endeavor. It is a spirit-led endeavor because we in and of ourselves, because of the old sin nature that exists in us, because we have selfish tendencies and brokenness, uh, pain, and, and all these different things that kind of coagulate inside of us in a sense, have a difficulty honoring or showing honor to others, especially our parents. 
It's hard. It's difficult to do. And so what Paul is saying here, especially in situations where our parents have caused us pain, that this is a deeply spiritual work. It's not something that you can do on your own strength. It's not something that you can do by your own might. It is a deeply spiritual work that requires us to be saturated by the infilling of the Holy Spirit that comes through faith in Christ. The Bible says that when we profess faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit resides inside of us and fills us with power to understand and fulfill his word. And so we can see this idea then that biblical honor is a spirit-led and spirit-enabled activity. That biblical honor is a spirit-led and spirit-enabled activity. I can't do it by myself. And when we begin to understand this idea that honor is a spirit-led and spirit-enabled activity in our lives, it can begin to change the relationships around us. I was reading a story this week um, as I was studying that, that really struck me. It's a story about, I don't even know where the church was at, but it was on a Father's Day, and a pastor uh, gave the call to the congregants to offer anybody who wanted to honor their father on that Father's Day to stand up and share. And so one by one, people throughout the congregation got up and, and started sharing fond memories of their dad. Until finally, as the story went, there was an older woman sitting in the front row, began to stand up, very frail after a long and hard life, and wanted to share. And a hush kind of fell over the, 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 the congregants as they patiently waited for this woman to rise to her feet to speak. And as she did so, she said this. She said that my daddy was a drinking man. He wasn't there much, but when he wasn't drinking, he was a good man. I loved my daddy. And tears began to well up in her eyes as she took her seat back in the pew. And there wasn't much to say in that moment because there wasn't a whole lot to be said about this man, except for the fact that this woman who loved Christ and was trying to walk in the Spirit's leading desired to fulfill the fifth commandment even when her father didn't deserve it, even when her dad had done things by earthly standards didn't deserve that honor. As we already said, church, this morning, honoring our parents is hard. It is one of the most difficult relationships to navigate on earth. And it's compounded even more, especially when we encounter moments where we don't want to honor the fifth commandment or honor our parents, either because it's an imposition to us or because like that woman, perhaps our own parents have abused and abandoned us. And we tend to equate honor with this idea of grandiose acts, things that must be done in grandiose fashion to honor the honoree. But the reality is this morning, church, that one of the most important things we can do, one of the most powerful things that we can do to honor another individual, including and our parents, is to pray for them, is to pray for our parents. And so my challenge this morning, if there's a takeaway that I can encourage you to walk out of here with this morning, is that if you are struggling to honor your parents, the next time you feel a struggle to give respect or honor to your mom and dad, Start to pray for them. Start to pray for them. Because doing so is, a, again, a spirit-led and spirit-enabled act that is as much for them as it is for us. It's as much for them as it is for us. Because when we pray for our parents, not only are we creating space in our lives to ask the Holy Spirit to intervene in their behalf, but we are also 
creating space in our lives to be able to begin to see them through the eyes of God, to begin to see them through the eyes of God and not through our pain and not through our hurt and not through our brokenness. And when we pray for others, especially our parents, the Spirit can begin to change our hearts even as we pray that he would change theirs. So what does that look like? What does that look like in a practical sense? If you're like me and you were fortunate enough to have an amazing mom and dad who loved you and were there for you and didn't cause pain or trauma or much pain or trauma for me, (laughs) some of you might disagree, I got other things going on. But if you had a good mom and dad, what that might look like as I pray for them is resounding praise and worship to God for my parents. God, thank you, Lord, for giving me parents who loved me. Thank you, God, for giving me a family that was secure and to grow up. Thank you for parents who taught me about you, Jesus. But on the other hand, if you're a person who had parents where there was damage or trauma caused, that prayer might look a little different. Perhaps it's a quiet plea for the Spirit's help to forgive. Perhaps it's a quiet plea for the Spirit to come and begin to heal the brokenness and the woundedness that exists inside you in that place. As I said, my parents are awesome and I'm grateful for them, and so I can't make an apples-to-apples comparison, but I can say this. I have experienced betrayal by somebody that was very close to me. There was a pastor at a church that I worked at who did something that was very difficult to process through, caused myself and my wife a tremendous amount of pain and destruction. And I can tell you that in that moment, and for many weeks and months afterwards, I did not want to pray for that man. I wanted to just linger in my bitterness, in my anger, and all my rage towards this person. And I'll never forget what another pastor said to me as I confessed that to him. He said, Nick, it is hard to stay in bitterness towards an individual when you're praying for them. It's hard to remain in bitterness when you're praying for somebody. And he encouraged me in that moment to begin to pray. And I did. And those prayers at first were very, very short. (laughs) They were not long prayers for this pastor. God, I pray for this man. (laughs) Help him. Amen. But the more I began to pray that, the more and often I began to bring those prayers before the Lord and before the Holy Spirit and asking for him to guide me as I prayed, those prayers began to change. It went from very short prayers to prayers of, God, I don't want to forgive this man, but help me to forgive. And those prayers began to change and evolve to finally where I got to a place where I am able to pray fervently for that man for his family, for his church, for his ministry, for his relationship with Jesus. And again, that's not an apples to apples comparison. I realize that and I'm not trying to make that distinction if there's been abuse or pain that your parents have caused you. But what I am saying is this, is that prayer can be the start of a long journey towards healing and forgiveness and restoration in those relationships. It's not gonna be easy and it's not gonna happen overnight. But Jesus begins to walk with us as we begin to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives with that. So this week, church, as we go out and perhaps have the fifth commandment resonating in our hearts and minds as our thoughts turn to that of our own parents or perhaps our positions as parents ourselves, may we be a church that is obedient to God's calling to honor our parents, but not by our own strength or might, 
may it be a spirit-led and spirit-enabled activity that we honor our folks. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world. Visit us at mosaicwi.com.